Thank you for joining the Leader Generation Podcast, where B2B and B2B2C marketers can explore new technology and strategies to effectively fill their sales pipeline and contribute to company growth. Our host today is Tessa Bird, the Chief Technology Officer at Tenlo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Leader Generation brought to you by Modup. As a reminder, again, Tenlo has been acquired by Modup, and we'll be bringing you the same great interviews around how to generate high quality leads, create demand for your products and services, and really everything related to digital marketing and retention. Today's guest, very excited to have him, is Chris Wynn. He is the co-owner of Superior Pho, located in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And this is the third part of our three-part series running in parallel with National Restaurant Show's conference. The National Restaurant Show runs from May 21st through Tuesday, May 24th. And if you're lucky enough to be visiting Cleveland on May 21st, May 22nd, perhaps as part of the restaurant show or you're just coming in, the Cleveland Asian Festival is also happening. So check that out. Cleveland Asian Festival is May 21st and 22nd. You can find out more by visiting their website at clevelandasianfestival.org. So let's jump into the interview. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. We're excited to have you. Thanks, Tessa, for having me. So first, you are our third restaurant owner interview, and we've been fascinated and following the creativity and resilience that has come out of specifically the independent restaurant owner space. Tell us a little bit about your journey and a little bit about Superior Pho. Well, Superior Pho was founded by my father in 2002. Before that, he was working a steel mill as a corporate metallographer. I joined the company after undergrad in 2010. I had a short stint in commercial real estate for Michael Chesler, who used to own a bunch of the historic mansions downtown. So in 2010, I joined Superior Pho, and it was supposed to be a short temporary thing until I, I found another job, but we were in the middle of the recession, so that was pretty hard. And then within a couple of years, we just had so much momentum, I felt like I didn't want to leave while we were growing so much, and the rest was history. So you stayed with Superior Pho coming out of a recession because of the momentum you felt. Tell me what were the factors that created that momentum at Superior Pho? Well, social media was a huge part of it. Word of mouth, we had a good amount of success from word of mouth, at least within the Asian community. And then probably for the greater part of the first decade, primary clientele was mostly Asian and some American folks here and there. But we had a huge huge support from the, the broader Asian community, which included Vietnamese, Chinese, Korean, other Southeast Asians, like Filipinos, Laotians, Thai people. And then social media happened in 2010. I finished undergrad. We were, you know, we were still very much in the recession and businesses weren't using social media that much in 2010. I remember on Facebook and Twitter, I had heard rumblings of how useful it could be for business. And there weren't that many other local restaurants using it. And I was like, you know what? Let me see what traction we can get just by creating a Facebook page and a Twitter page. And I had already been promoting our business just on my personal Instagram and, and Twitter and all that stuff. 
And I think one of the huge catalysts was one of our own local hometown heroes, Michael Simon and Jonathan Sawyer at that time with the Greenhouse Tavern. They had been coming to the restaurant pretty regularly. Oh, and Adam Richmond too from Man vs. Food. And at that time, social media was still such a small world that you could actually reach out to these guys and your tweet or your post wouldn't get lost among the tens of thousands that they get every day. So I did just that. I, I would tag them in posts and I would thank them for coming out whenever they did, just almost on a very personal level. And they would tweet back and they'd post on their social media like, hey, Superior Fuzz, the best Vietnamese restaurant. And I would thank them and, and invite them back. And before we knew it, probably thanks to those three guys there, we got invitations to participate on different shows on Food Network and Travel Channel and that sort of thing. So coming out of the recession, word of mouth and social media, they were huge for us. That is absolutely a fascinating story because that's right when I started eating at Superior Pho a little over yeah. 11 years ago. And it definitely was from the word of mouth. At the time it was at American Greetings and we would we had Pho Fridays, which we also carried on to a, two other companies I worked at. <laughs> on Friday, we would go get Pho as a large group. But I love that you used social media and influencers to really make your food more accessible and for people to even discover what it is. When the pandemic hit, were there some other tools or other types of communications that you did or use coming out of the pandemic that you think will carry forward in a similar way as social media presence did for you coming out of the recession? Yeah, so, and it's funny you use pho rides, by the way. I, I came up with that term back in 2010. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, in response to Taco Tuesday, I was like, what, what can I say to engage our users and keep them coming back? Yeah, it works. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks. It makes me happy that people still use that. <laughs> Talking about the pandemic, we didn't have any digital ordering presence whatsoever going into the pandemic. We just didn't have any platform, so we weren't able to take orders through our website, and we were definitely behind on that. We weren't at the forefront of that movement by any means, but we started using a platform called Chow Now because they were way cheaper in terms of their commissions and fees, fee structure, than Uber Eats and Skip the Dishes because I would advocate against those companies all day because they charge, they charge their restaurants anywhere between... Well, when they, when they solicited our business anyway, they charged 25 to 30% of revenue, which would kill any small business. That's really a marketing expense. I know that Cleveland passed some sort of law, I believe, where they've, they've limited commissions to 15% now. But I also know that the majority of restaurants are operating off of a 7 to 15% margin. So even 15%, it's still killing businesses. But Chow Now was great. Chow Now, they were, I think they were around, right around 7%. So if your margin's 15%, you get to keep about half of it, which is better than nothing at all because the pandemic hit, a, hit so many restaurants so hard, us included. And Chow Now allowed us to aggregate all of the traffic from our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of them. And then also have an ordering component to our website. And we ended up doing substantial revenue from them through their online ordering. That helped us 
get through the pandemic along with some other government assistance and then moving forward, you said, would we keep them? I think so. And, and I think what that really did for us was put us in the mindset that we need to constantly be searching for new tech and, and incorporating it into our, our process and our operations. Just find out we should welcome tech in, into the restaurant industry. I, I know a lot of sort of older restaurant owners are tech averse. They don't want to complicate a good thing. Why fix something if it's not broken sort of mentality. And the more I find out about what's out there, the more I realize like these technologies can make people's lives easier, not only for our customers, but for us as operators as well. Yeah, that's really interesting because that's, I feel like a topic restaurant owners are split on, like is now the right time for new tech when there's still these huge challenges facing all businesses, but especially independent operators. What tech have you seen that you think you want to start incorporating to either better the experience, better operations, or help with sourcing, ordering, or staffing? So I feel like there's two parts to the question. The first being, what what tech do I find intriguing? And then the second part, that help with staffing. What were the three? Staffing? Sort of the big three problems that are occurring today, like staffing is major, inflation, and then supply chain disruption challenge for money. So I just want to speak to this because I feel like a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs, restaurateurs, operators, we are overwhelmed by the volume of different things we have to, to handle and the different hats we have to wear. One of the big things is we have to worry about our supply chain and, and staffing, just like you mentioned. And then we still have to worry about marketing and bookkeeping. And I think one of the greatest tools that's now available to us, and they're becoming more and more intuitive, are the services provided by point-of-sale systems. So the point-of-sale systems, we already know they collect data, and, and that's great. But the marketing integrations that come with these platforms that are being updated with the newer platforms, as well as the bookkeeping integrations, it's like, I don't have to close out my books at the end of the day and then spend another hour or so in putting them into QuickBooks, maybe like I did in the past. And in fact, some of these point of sale systems not only collect the data, automate the bookkeeping, but but then they'll also forward those documents to a third-party payroll company or accountant. And I can free up a lot of my time now because I don't have to spend an hour doing that. And then the extra 30 minutes doing linens at the end of the night like a lot of small business owners have to, because it, it's no joke. Restaurateurs, I think easily, very easily spend 16 hour days, especially when you're a young restaurateur starting out. And I think that's why there's such a high attrition rate among restaurateurs. You're doing 14 to 16 hour days. Sometimes those 16 hour days become 18 hour days. And you can only do so many of those a week before you're just totally burnt out. But point of sale systems and their their new integrations and the apps that come out that integrate with the existing point of sale systems, they're a real game changer. How do they help with inflation? How do they adjust adjust for inflation? I mean, look, if you if you as a restaurateur and operator know your baseline costs and you're able to input your suppliers' costs and update those weekly into your point of sale system, then you know what your margins are. So as your supplier costs go up, you can super quickly and easily 
you know, adjust your pricing to maintain your, those same margins that you had before. And then also, if you notice that your business is taking a hit and you're seeing less repeat business or less volume, then you know that, yeah, your margin can't be maybe what it was before because your, your customers aren't adjusting to the price changes as quickly. You know, that real-time data is just something that we didn't have 10 years ago. What's one of the biggest challenges that marketers face? It's that the sales team doesn't understand the value of digital marketing. To help prove your worth, simply boost the volume of ready-to-buy customers and help your sales team win more customers faster. To get started, download the guide, Five Data Exchanges Between Sales and Marketing to Increase Win Rates. Download the guide at tenlo.com. That's T-E-N-L-O dot com. And now back to our show. Yeah, it really allows you to be more flexible and respond to change faster, especially when change is outside of your control. Are there things that you've seen from the relationships that you have from either distributors or just suppliers that have also helped support you as you're wearing these many hats and trying to navigate the continued changing landscape? From suppliers and distributors, I think the short answer is no. I think that maybe, but but we haven't seen that. And, and I, th- I think the reason is because everyone suffered through from supply chain issues and everyone sort of figuring it out. Now, one of the cool things that people don't know about Superior Pho is that we use local beef. We use Ohio beef as, as often as we can. We use local produce as often as we can. We don't market it as well as we should, but I think people know inherently that our product is a cut above our competitors and they, they can't put their finger on why. And, and that secret is our produce is fresh. I mean, super fresh grass-fed cattle in, in a lot of cases, our, our slaughterhouses, they use hand-chosen cattle. And we, we definitely don't make it a point to market that. And I think we should, but with that said, our smaller suppliers, they're, they're not going to be able to adjust as well as major corporations when it comes to, to their supply. If they take a hit, they take a hit and we, we have to adjust with them. So what we've done in some cases is we've entertained business from suppliers that we would not have entertained in the past to it, to adjust. Whereas a supplier in the, in the past may have solicited us and we would have said, yeah, you know, we have this relationship with this supplier and, and that's that we've had to entertain supply from different sources just because our smaller suppliers, they can't keep up with everything going on. So so you're, you're making some changes to how you source for specific things. Has any of that moved online? Like when you were looking for these other alternatives, did you start ordering differently as well? And have you found that useful? We didn't go online because a lot of our stuff can't be bought online unless it's restaurant equipment, in, in which case, of course, restaurant equipment has to be sourced nationally now instead of locally because local supply is just either non-existent or exorbitant in terms of cost. But with food suppliers, we had a lot more suppliers solicit us maybe than the past. 
I think a lot of folks realize like, hey, this is an opportunity to take advantage of shortcomings from, from other places. So, yeah. When, and when you think about like what the next big decisions are on the forefront, how are you staying or keeping on top of trends? Like what's changing in either what different generations of customers expect to what economic factors could be coming into play? Like what sources do you tap into to stay on top of that? Well, I don't know that we are, Tessa. <laughs> in the sense that we have a low cost product that's, that's reliable. It, it's sort of like a hamburger. How much can you change a hamburger, right? We, we could add some, maybe some additional menu items, but the staple of our, of our restaurant business is gonna be pho. It's, it's a low cost street food from Vietnam that it's, it's just a comfort food. But in terms of trends, we've, we've always, or at least historically have tried to not be a trendy restaurant. We've tried to be a staple of the community, a reliable product that you know what you're going to get when you go. But that's not to say that w- that won't change in the next 10 years. Yeah. And it sounds like you're not really looking to shake up what's on the menu and how it's delivered in the experience, but you are very in touch with what's happening in tech and how can technology and that data help you operate more efficiently to deliver almost like the same thing, to stay true to the core of what makes Superior Fuss special. Without giving too much weight, I would say that our goal is always going to be to improve our customer experience, whether that's delivery, packaging, convenience for our customers, and then also for our employees. We want our employees to have a positive, enjoyable experience, one where they can leave the restaurant and say, hey, that was a good experience for that, for that part of my life. We've been paying quote unquote livable wages since before it became a thing. And that's one of the things that we're proud of. We're also really proud of embracing diversity and mindful hiring. I think we were one of the first Asian restaurants to hire non-Asian faces for front of the house staff and back of the house staff. So we've been very progressive in that way and we've been very proud of that. Sorry, yeah. that was tangential. So. Oh, no, it's, it's very noticeable and it makes everyone feel welcome and comfortable coming into your restaurant, especially because it is tucked away. It's a little hard to find. <laughs> but once you get there, it's worth it. And it feels like everyone's welcome. The food comes fast. It's warm. It's comforting. I mean, I love that answer. Like your business is very centered on its values and that's what drives the decision-making as to tools you use and even the people you hire. That's lovely. What do you think is next? So how do you want to see the community come together more? Are there opportunities for maybe businesses you haven't worked with to engage with you? Yeah, totally. What's next for us? And what are some opportunities for businesses to engage with us? Yeah, I think moving forward, if we are to stay true to, to our values in improving the customer experience and improving the employee and staff experience. I think there's a lot of opportunity where if a company has a value add, like one of the things that we're, I'm looking forward to working on in the, in the near future is the customer experience with the packaging. 
So one of the one of the pain points I think for our customers is when you take photo go, you have to assemble it, put it all together, and then there aren't really instructions on how to do that. It's like it's its own little journey, which is fine. But I think for a lot of new customers, that can be frustrating. So we definitely want to make that unpackaging and assembling of your meal more intuitive, more fun, and more engaging than just trying to figure it out when you've never done it before and there are no instructions. That's one of the ways. And then we are on the lookout for new delivery partners. We want to be at the forefront this coming decade. We want to be at the forefront of delivery. So one of the things we're already looking into is drone delivery, what that looks like, robotic delivery services, what that could look like, and services that make sense, services that aren't charging us 30% of revenue for getting our food to our customers. If there are companies out there that can help us improve our customer and employee experience, we'd love to have that conversation. Yeah, that's really exciting. I can't believe drone delivery is so close on the horizon that you're already looking at it. If people did want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to reach you? Probably by email, contact at superiorfa.com or follow us on any of our social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and just shoot us a message because I manage those social media. And if you want to engage directly with me, let's start the conversation there and take it from there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Chris, so much for being our guest today. You can hear all of the restaurant show episodes in this three-part series by visiting tenlo.com and just click on the word podcast. And we look forward to having you join us again soon in the future. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Tessa. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to another episode of Leader Generation by Tenlo Radio. Be sure to subscribe on tenloradio.com.